Friends, if you want to turn with me now to God's Word, uh, we're going to read from the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10 uh, is where we are, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. We thank God for his word and pray that the Spirit will help us to understand this word. If I looked at your diary, if you and me, we sat down together the day and had a wee chat about the week that has just been, I wonder what the highlights of that week would be. Maybe you met an old school friend on Tuesday, you went to Dobie's, you treated yourself to half a cheesecake, Slimming World was the next day, but it's an old school friend, and it was wonderful, you caught up with her and reminisced about the days in the hockey team and how you met your husbands and what your kids are doing, and you talked about your favourite children, because we've all got a favourite child, we don't name their names, but there's always a favourite. Tuesday was a pretty good day, wasn't it? Or Friday, Friday night. It's the first time you and your loved one have had a wee date night in ages. Got a wee DVD out, and you, you sat in, you watched it, you had some food from your local favorite restaurant, you stayed up really late, it was 20 past nine before you got into your jammies. It was a brilliant night. Fantastic. And then it comes to Sunday morning. And I wonder if on Sunday morning in your wee diary where it says church, did you get your multicolored pens out the right church? Did you write church and put these stars beside it the way you did if you were you were meeting your buddy down in Lisburn or, or, or having a date night with your loved one? Did, did you underline it the way you did when you know you were going out for the night with your buddies on Wednesday? Did you did you highlight it in that same way? Probably not. In my own diary, when it comes to Sunday, it says AM and PM. And if I'm preaching, it'll say, Scott, Scott. And if John's preaching, it'll say, Scott, John. Uh, if I'm preaching somewhere else, it'll say, Shagan Soonfield, or whatever it might be. Because church, well, do you know what? It's one of those things that we just do, isn't it? We don't get excited about it. We just do it. We don't underline it. We just do it. It's, it's something, you know, that we gather for, but we probably don't expect very much of. And yet, friends, today, as we think of our God of grace, I want to speak to you about how what we do here on a Sunday is essential to us as we walk in response to our God of grace. We've heard already in this series that he is a God of grace to people who do not deserve anything from him except his anger. And that is a definition of grace. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor to those who deserve his wrath. He pours out his grace into our lives, his favor to us, even though we are rascals. That's God's grace. And we made a definition, a, a stance between common grace 
and special grace. God's common grace is the fact that it's raining today and it rains on our faces as Christians as it does on the faces of those who do not know Christ. When the sun shines, it shines on the back of our necks as it does on the back of the necks of those who do not know Christ. That's God's common grace. But also we have received his special grace, his saving grace when the Holy Spirit came and caused us to be born again and enabled us to choose Christ, to call on Christ, to receive the gospel. We've heard about that. And then last week, uh, when John was uh, preaching, I, do you know what? I hope this is what John said. He maybe just phoned in sick last week. I wouldn't know I was in St. Friend. But I think he was here, and I think he told you about the covenant of grace, how God enters into a relationship with us on the basis of his covenant, and he comes and says, I am your God, you are my people, and I'm sending one to come and die for you, a people for my own possession. That's God's covenant of grace. And he keeps his promise. And how do we hold on to those things in a life that, do you know what, it often seems more exciting and out there than it ever does in here. How do we hold on to those things in a life where, do you know what, we're, we're getting endless slaps in the mouth. The world is on our backs. We're in trouble here, there, and everywhere. People are out to get us. Life is not going the way we hoped it would. How do we continue walking in light of the grace of God? How do we do it? Well, friends, this place has got a big part in that. Week after week after week, Sunday after Sunday, we meet here and we come and worship, and I don't know if you're going to get your wee diary out today and start underlining Sundays or adding little stars or drawing wee happy face pictures beside it, but I really hope you would, because I can assure you that Tuesday at Dobie's eating a big cream scone might do wonders for your belly, but it's not going to do anything for your soul. And when you come here, weary and done out and fed up, this is where the grace of God is communicated into your life. In Hebrews chapter 10, Paul makes that clear. He talks about who we are in Christ. He says in verse 19, Brothers, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And here is a defining characteristic of a Christian. We are men and women of faith. Our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And by that blood... And by the new and living way that Jesus opened through the curtain. And do you remember the curtain in the temple? Only the high priest would go in once a year. You and I would never be in there. But Christ has opened up the curtain through his flesh. And we have access then to the most holy place. We have access to Almighty God covered by the blood of Jesus. We have a great high priest over the house of God as verse 21 says. We have a high priest called Jesus who intercedes for us. This is what God has done. We have hearts that are fully assured of faith. Hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Bodies washed with pure water. Friends, this is who we are. This is what the God of grace has done. This is what the God of grace, who, who rightly could punish us and, and cast us into the fiery pits of hell, this is what the God of grace has done. Christ for us. Christ at Calvary, Christ in the tomb, Christ raised, Christ ascended, Christ as a high priest over the house of God, interceding for us, Christ, Christ endlessly pouring grace into our lives. And so folks, as we came here this morning, maybe a word to describe it, was not confident. 
Bobby Genuine, you came here and he said, you know what? I'm excited, Muriel. I'm going to church and I can't wait. I wonder what Scott's going to say this week. You say, oh, John, I'm excited too. I can't wait. I've got four packets of polos and I hope to get to suck every one. I hope the sermon's that long. I suspect none of you said that. If you did see me at the door, I will make you clerk of session and you'll get to preach next week if that was your attitude. Probably most of us came after a night where we didn't sleep very well. And maybe that uh, lovely meal that we enjoyed on Friday night, well, oh, it's causing us a bit of trouble still. And maybe we climbed out of bed and we were in two minds whether to come to church or not because after all it's raining. And you know, church is never as good in the rain. So, do you know, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And you were 50-50 to come here today. I don't know how you came, but probably most of us came forgetting the confidence that God's grace poured out into our life should give us. And when we came to this place, it's not Dobies, it's not Sainsbury's, it's not Waterstones, it's not some coffee shop in Lisburn, but it is a public gathering of the Church of Jesus Christ, and I pray that we come confident. Because the God of grace gives us that confidence. As you heard last week, he promised if, if I ever break this covenant, if I ever let you down, if I ever tear it up and, and go another way, then, then let it be done to me as is done to these animals, cut in half. God swears by himself. I will keep my promises to you, my people. But it's no wonder that in this passage we are told that we can hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Verse 23, and why? For he who promised is faithful one who speaks to us and promises good things to us and the one who has redeemed our lives from the pit and the one who has poured out his, his life for us, he is faithful. And so friends, we can gather today with that confidence. Maybe tired, yes. Maybe a bit grumpy, yes. Maybe with a row in the car park with our loved one on the way in. Maybe we accidentally stood on the, the cat on the way out. We know it's going to be lying there and there's a vet bill coming on, on the way home. We, we know it all, but regardless of how it is we're feeling, we come to this place week after week with confidence. Confidence in the God of grace. And here's a wee secret. It's maybe not something that you've ever heard before. It's maybe not something that you ever believe. Maybe you're doubting it even now as you look at the clock and you've run out of polos, but do you know what? This place, what we do here Sunday by Sunday, and I'm going to say it morning and evening, because the evening service, we don't phone it in, we don't treat it as second best, but morning and evening when we come here, this does your soul good. I didn't see any hands in the earth. Didn't hear any amens from the back, the back row. If you're going to sit in the back, you've got to shout amen. You're not doing it. There's going to be new people in the back row next week. But folks, this place, week after week, does your soul good. You may agree or disagree with that, but I promise it, it's the truth. And you, some might say, well, it does us good when John's on. We like John. We like his accent. We like his new haircut. I like John's style. When John's on, it does me good. And others might say, forget John. I like it when visiting speakers come. <laughs> and I know my wife's sitting somewhere and she's saying, well, 
I really love it when Noel Agnew's here. But folks, take the personalities out of it for a minute. Let us not become like the Corinthians who, who followed Apollos. Some followed Peter. Some followed Paul. Take the personalities out of it. This place does your soul good, not because of the individual who climbs into the pulpit, regardless of what he's called, regardless of his name, regardless of his style. Forget about the personalities. This place does your soul good because I can promise you, week after week after week, we take you to the Word of God. It is read, it is preached, it is prayed, it is sung. Week after week after week, we come here, and we don't come to put on a show. We don't come to receive your applause at the end. We come and we point you very clearly and say, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. So regardless of who's up here, it's my hope that Sunday after Sunday, this place does your soul good. You see, grace and the God of grace working in our lives produces that confidence and that assurance that we read about here in Hebrews chapter 10. And week after week, we can come as a public gathering of the church of Jesus Christ to worship him with that confidence that our sins have been covered by the blood of Christ. Imagine if we trusted in a, a false god who made his home at the top of Slave Crew. Imagine if the old story went that he, he lived up there in a, in a big house full of rocks and stones and, and you could go up and see him but only if you were really, really good. You could go up to see him but you would have to take the most perfect wee goat with you uh, and you would kill it at the top there. You'd go up and see him but only if the check you'd written was big enough. Do you think any one of you would ever climb that mountain to go and see your false god? Of course you wouldn't. And yet week after week, as men and women of faith who know what our weeks have been and, and who know what our lives are like, week after week we come to this place with confidence. We come carrying the burdens of guilt and sin, but we come with confidence by the blood of Christ. And this place, I hope, does your soul good because you come with confidence because often your confidence is low in Christ. You've had a hard week and a difficult week, and, and so what do we do? We come here and we meet together. We do not neglect it, as is the habit of some. Paul says that in verse 25. But we come here week after week to meet together and to encourage one another. We come week after week, as we read in verse 24, to stir one another up to love and good works. This place that we often take for granted and often is low down our list of priorities and isn't underlined in our diaries, this place, week after week after week, does us spiritual good. And friends, even the very structure of the service, I hope, helps you to grow. I don't know how much mind you give to what we do on a Sunday. Maybe you think, well, all the other bits are just leading up to the sermon. The sermon's the main bits. God shouts at us for 15 minutes and then he lets us go home when the clock strikes 12. It, it's all about the sermon. And yes, in Reformed worship, yes, the sermon, the preached word of God is at the center of what we do. But do you give any thought even to how we start our service? And if you say to me, Scott, yes, we start the service with the announcements, and I love the announcements. Forget about the announcements. 
If I never had to make another announcement in my life, I would be a happy young minister. Forget the announcement. The church service begins with what we call the call to worship. And even as we reflect on what that is and, and why we do it, we see God's grace in our lives. What is the call to worship? The call to worship is when someone gets up into the pulpit, a minister in God's church climbs up into the pulpit and reads God's word to call God's people to worship. And that's how we start. We don't start by saying, you know, the, the choir and the band are going to sing about seven songs and then we'll finish and then we'll do something else. We start by calling you from this world to worship your God. And we use scripture this morning. We used Psalm 18. We used the word of God to call you to worship. And you think, why is that important? Why do you do that? Well, my friends, it is all of grace. How many of you, for example, would bump into a friend and they will say something to you like, Oh, it's great to see you, and, and I must have you round to the house sometime. Anybody ever say that to you? I must have you round sometime. I'll, I'll make a cheesecake. must have you round. It'll be great to get you round. But you notice what they don't do? They don't set a date. They don't set a time. They don't actually say, come around on Friday. They just leave it open. It makes them feel good. It makes you feel good, but, but they never define it. See the next person that says to you, I must have you round sometime. I want you to call at their house the next morning at about half past eight. You told me to come round. Where's your cheesecake? But they don't really mean it. Sure they don't? I know I said, oh, we must get you around sometime. And in your head you're thinking, never, never. But what does God do? What does the God of grace do? In the lives of individuals who in the average week have turned away from him on numerous occasions, what does the God of grace speak into your life Sunday after Sunday at the very beginning of worship? It is a word of grace. He calls his people and he says, put away your work, put away your troubles, put away your, your stresses. Put away all that stuff that you're carrying about and you think is important. The God of grace says to you, I must have you round sometime. And now is that time. Come and worship me. Come and, and put out of your mind all the baggage. Come and focus on how great I am. Come and hear my word. Come and sing my praise. Come and call out to me in prayer. The God of grace calls on you to worship him. What other meeting in your week does that happen? I bet you when you meet your granny at Dobie's, she doesn't do anything like that. What do you do when you meet her? Well, you, you give off because you're pretty sure the buns are getting smaller. And it's not what it used to be like in here. And we're maybe going to go somewhere else next week. And you never do. But isn't that how we talk during the week? And yet when we come here, first thing you hear after all those announcements are out of the way, the first thing you hear is the voice of God who calls you. He calls you to worship him. Did you hear all the stuff this week with David Cameron? And he's getting into trouble because some would say he's belittled the queen. He's let out a few secrets that, that he heard the queen saying and he's, he's made her look bad and he's going to get his wrist slapped. Did you hear that? I'm sure Her Majesty is never going to have David Cameron round for tea and scones ever again. And 
Yet today, the King of Kings, the King of Kings, the living God, the God of grace, the God of covenant-keeping promises calls you to worship him. Have you ever been asked to make a speech at a wedding? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you think to yourself, do you know what? Even if I was asked, I don't think I can do it. That's really not me. That's not within my skill set. Or have you ever got a promotion in work? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you've spent 20 odd years and you've watched everybody else climbing the ladder, but you've never ever climbed your ladder. And so you think to yourself, well, I'm probably just at the level that I'm supposed to be at. Little old you. Or do you ever bump into somebody whose, whose children are beautiful and perfect? They've got nice, bright, shiny white teeth and their hair is sitting well and they're all dressed in little tank tops and dicky bows and, and they say, please and thank you, mummy. And where are your kids? Well, you don't know. You last saw them in Sainsbury's about three weeks ago and hopefully they'll be home for Christmas. And yet God, in the first act of public worship, invites you to come with confidence because you've been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. He invites you to come holding absolutely firmly to the confession of your faith, knowing that the one who has promised is faithful. He invites you to come on a regular basis, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. He invites you to come to worship, and in his first act, he calls you to worship him. Friends, maybe it's only ministers that get excited about that, but that thrills my wee heart. He knows me, and he knows my name, and he knows all about me, and yet Sunday by Sunday, he calls us to come. He calls us to draw near. And folks, in the weeks to come, as we work our way through this series, we will spend time on, on what he calls us to do. We will think about how God of the God of grace shows us that in our prayers, in the sacraments, in the word of God. All of that will be addressed, God willing, between now and Christmas. So I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on those things. That will come. But needless to say, he calls us to come. And he feeds us every single week. And I do want to challenge you in that, folks. Because look, I'm not stupid enough to believe you go out of here on a Sunday and you say, Oh, fantastic, fantastic, Sadie. What a sermon. What a wonderful sermon, Sadie. That was great. If you're called Sadie, I'm not picking on you. It's just a word. Name, all right? I know what times you think, oh, when's this going to end? I've run out of sweets and it's 12 o'clock and I have to be somewhere else. When's it going to end? But folks, I am convinced that even in worship services that you walk in and walk out of thinking, well, I got nothing out of that. And I've all said that at times. Didn't get anything out of that this morning. You'll always get something. I promise you. Because the Lord calls you to come and what does he do? He speaks speaks. You hear his voice week after week. And even if it is never preached properly, even if it's not preached very well, the word has been read and you have heard it. And what does he do? He, he listens to you as you call out to him. The living God listens to you. And what does he do? He feeds you at the table. He washes you at baptism. And he uses imperfect boys like me to get up and to, to share his word with you as well. God is of grace. He doesn't save us a 
and say, right, I'll see you at the finish line. I'll, I'll see you in glory. He saves us and says, I'll see you next Sunday. Come and hear. Come and speak. Come and pray. Come and sing. I'll, I'll see you next week. And of course, he is with us throughout the course of the week. I'm not denying that. There's this special, wonderful moment week after week when the visible church meets together to sing God's praise. This is what our God has done. The God of grace calls us to worship, and the God of grace feeds us in worship, and even the very last word in worship is of grace. Again, when it comes to the end of the sermon, it's always nice. I listen with my wee ears, and what do you hear? Whew, you hear that wee noise. He's finished. Roberta, it's 20 past 12. You better get home. Get those spuds off the cooker. He's done. But see, before you're thinking of your spuds, see today, pay attention to the very last moment, because how do we close worship? We finish with the benediction. And that's a fancy word, and I can't speak Italian. I'm really not that way inclined. I speak English not very well. That's about it. But the benediction, what does it mean? Bene, good, diction, word. We finish with a good word on the people of God. And I know when the benediction comes around, if we're sitting in church with the girls, we want them to close their eyes. So you, you probably should never have seen this. But when the benediction is pronounced, the minister up in the pulpit gets his arms up in the air like that. I can nearly reach both sides of that screen, he gets his arms up and he blesses the people of God. The last word you hear on a Sunday is a word of grace and a word of blessing into your life. See, sometimes we hear various benedictions in the church. We hear ones taken from all over the scriptures. We, we hear ones that are not benedictions. We hear prayers to God to finish, but, but the benediction should be a a word of praise, a word of blessing, a word of, of encouragement as we need. And perhaps the most famous of all the benedictions comes in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 6, we read, The Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and say to them, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we sing that when we, we baptize a little one, don't we? And it's not the ironic blessing, it's the ironic blessing. And it's, it's a blessing upon this little child. That's how we finish worship. With arms in the air and a blessing upon the people of God. Folks, isn't it amazing if you paid attention to the final thing that people said to you throughout the week? Maybe it's encouraging, maybe it's not. Maybe the boss will say to you, I'll see you on Monday. Or maybe your boss will say to you, I'll see you on Monday. Do you notice the difference? A word that excites you and a word that causes you not to sleep for the next three days. Or the final word going out in the house in the morning, you're you're kissing your loved ones goodbye and your wife says, I'll see you later, darling. Or she says, I'll see you later. It changes the whole dynamic of the day, doesn't it? We need to talk. Oh, gentlemen, never go home if you hear that. We need to talk. It changes the dynamic of the day. And so how can we maintain 
this confidence that God has given us in the blood of Christ that has washed us clean of every sin? How can we maintain the walk in this life, the walk of faith which is long and is hard? How can we maintain it? How can we never lose sight of God's grace when we're tempted to fall into legalism and, and trying to save ourselves? How can we maintain this? By refusing to neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. And instead, meeting here week after week after week to be encouraged and equipped and to be built up for the ministry in the church of God's people. We hear the first word, which is of grace, the service, which is full of grace, and the last word, which is a, a blessing on you. Not a warning. The Lord's service of worship does not finish by saying, you better be here next week. But instead, he finishes by saying, I bless you, I keep you, I make my face to shine upon you. And why? Because he loves you. That's God's grace. Do we deserve it? No, of course not. Are we doing him a favor by doing all of this? No, of course not. But when we come, worship is a conversation, a dialogue with a holy God, where he calls us and we respond, where he speaks to us and, and we respond, where he blesses us and we go and, and we respond. That's worship. And friends, again, Maybe you wonder, maybe you question it, maybe you're not sure, but I know and I'm confident that this, every single week, does your soul good. Friends, we come to worship the God of grace. Why would we neglect that? Why would we think 18 holes of golf is better than that? Why would we wake up on a Sunday morning and sigh at the thought of another Sabbath day. May we call it a delight. May we count the minutes until we are in this place again. Because we are coming to meet with the living God. Friends, today, I pray that this has been an encouragement to you. I pray that your confidence and assurance will have been strengthened. And I pray indeed that the God of grace spoken directly into your life. Amen. And we thank God today for his word.